Paul writes this, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling amongst you, you are worldly. Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his, his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on his own foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he builds survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred And you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about men, all things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's through your word that we can learn about you and about your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you will speak into our lives, into our hearts, into our church, and that you will show us your way. And that having looked into your word, we will know that we leave this place having experienced you, having been encouraged so that we can continue to follow in your son's footsteps. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray together. Amen.
what I'm uh, trying to do in these uh, first couple of Sunday mornings is, uh, is really paint, um, paint the big picture. And uh, if you were with us last week, you'll know that we were uh, thinking about uh, the secret of our success and we were looking at that passage uh, in the first chapter of the book of Joshua. And uh, we were saying that um, the secret of our success is knowing about God's purposes, uh, doing the things that God wants us to do. Uh, that the secret of our success was uh, knowing what God has promised us and uh, claiming onto those uh, promises of God. And that the secret of our success was relying on God's power and not our own power and doing things in his strength and not in our strength. And, uh, and finally, the secret of our success was being aware of God's presence in our lives. Being aware that God is with us. And uh, this week, um, I want to, again, paint a, a big picture about the sort of church that we're trying to build. And I'd say at the beginning, right at the beginning, that we're not trying to build the perfect church. We're not trying to build a perfect church. It seems to me that, that many people spend lots of time uh, trying to find the perfect church. You know, you meet people and uh, they flit around from one church to the other and uh, it's never quite good enough. Uh, I came across a, a story about uh, uh, a man, a rich man, and he went to his pastor and he said this. He said, I want you and your wife to take a three-month trip to Hawaii at my expense. Sort of thing that happens to pastors all the time, obviously. Uh, and when you come back, I'm going to have a surprise for you, he said. The pastor, after much thought and contemplation and prayer, accepted the, uh, accepted the offer and uh, went off to spend uh, three months in Hawaii. Three months later, he returned and, and uh, came home. And when he met the wealthy parishioner, uh, he told him that while they were gone, uh, he'd had a brand new church built. And it was the finest building that money could buy. Pastor, he said, no expense has been spared. And he was right. It was magnificent. It looked wonderful on the outside and on the inside. But there was one striking difference when he walked into the church. There was only one pew. And this pew was right at the back of the church. And the pastor said, just one pew. And the wealthy man said, yes, but wait till Sunday and you'll see. Well, Sunday came and uh, the early arrivals entered the church and filed into the one pew and sat down. And when the pew was full, a switch clicked silently, a circuit closed, the gears meshed, a belt moved, and automatically the rear pew became the front pew. And another pew popped up at the back. And the same thing happened again and again. <laughs> the pastor said, wonderful, marvellous. The service began and the pastor started to preach his sermon. He launched into his text and when 12 o'clock came and went, he was still going strong with no end in sight. And suddenly a bell rang. A trap door opened <laughs> and the pulpit and the pastor disappeared. And the congregation said, wonderful, marvellous. <laughs> no, we're, not trying to, uh, we're not trying to build the, the, the perfect church. But what we are trying to do is, uh, is build a healthy church. We're looking at uh, building a church um, that is healthy. And uh, in this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, I think we get some uh, clues, some indicators about how we go about 
building a healthy church. And first of all, I'd want to say that, you know, the church is a family. And the goal is maturity. The church is a family, and the goal is maturity. Sometimes people ask uh, the wrong question when it comes to church growth. They ask the question, what do we have to do to make our church grow? What do we have to do to make our church grow? When the question that I think we need to ask is, what is it that we are doing that is stopping our church from growing? What is it that we are doing that is preventing the church from growing? You see, the church is a living thing, and it's natural that living things grow. If you've had children, you'll notice this. Um, I didn't have to command my children to grow. They just started growing. Uh, we fed them and, uh, and watered them and, uh, and they grew uh, quite naturally. And in fact, if a child isn't growing and developing uh, as it should do, we automatically ask questions, don't we? We go to the doctors and we say, there's something wrong with this child because it's not growing at the rate it should be growing. And I think the same thing applies to the church. That the church ought naturally to grow. And so, the church is a family, and uh, the goal is maturity. Of course, when you're, uh, when you're a new minister in a church, um, there's lots of people who will uh, give you all sorts of advice about how you ought to go about uh, growing a, a healthy church. And... Uh, Everybody's an expert, it seems, when it comes to uh, ideas about what we ought to do or ought not to do. But Paul, in uh, referring to the church at Corinth, he addresses them as mere infants. He talks about the fact that uh, the sort of food uh, that they have is milk, which is, of course, uh, what we give to babies when they're first born, isn't it? Before they come onto solid food. And uh, Paul suggests... Um, that there might be a problem here, that these people haven't moved on to solid food. So the church is a family, and the goal is maturity. So in growing a healthy church, we have to look at the spiritual diet. We have to say to to people, you know, are people hungry? Are they hungry for God? Are they hungry for God's word? Um, Are people in the church Growing and developing. In my uh, observation of, uh, <clears throat> of how people grow in church, I've, I've observed this, I don't know if it's true for you, that, that when somebody first becomes a Christian, uh, quite often there's a, there's a big spurt of growth and they're, they're hungry, they can't get enough of God's word, they can't get enough of talking about God. And, uh, and people, when they first become a Christian, uh, tend to grow uh, quite quickly because they want to get as much knowledge and information they can about God. But in, in my observation, this slows down after a certain amount of time. In fact, sometimes I've even heard people say, you know, calm down, slow down. Um, and we're almost embarrassed about people's enthusiasm uh, for God's word and the gospel because uh, maybe, just maybe, we're not quite as enthusiastic. 
And so in growing a healthy church, we have to look at the spiritual diet. Not only um, are people hungry for God's word, but are people being fed? Are there opportunities in the life of the church uh, for people to learn and develop and to grow and uh, to exercise their gifts? And that's why uh, one of the things that I will uh, uh, mention more than once is that I think that house groups, home groups, uh, small Bible studies are a great thing for people to get involved with. And um, one of my goals, we were talking about dreams and and goals last week, and one of my goals would be to see everybody in the church uh, in a home group. Uh, That won't happen overnight, but uh, that's one of the goals that I would have uh, for the church, to see everybody uh, participating in a home group where they can study and uh, read God's word. Behaviour, of course, is another sign of maturity. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed if you have more than one child... Um, and you leave them in a room together, uh, on their own, um, after about five seconds or, or five minutes, um, suddenly you hear raised voices. Have you ever had that experience? And, uh, and shouting and, and arguments uh, occur. Have you? Perhaps, uh, perhaps my family's, uh, perhaps my family's just a bit uh, uh, unusual, but uh, especially at the moment, if I leave my two kids in a room on their own for about five minutes... Uh, uh, there's a battles breaking out. And of course, uh, our behaviour is very often a sign of our maturity. And I'm sure it never happens in, in this church, but I've, I've been in churches where, where people do get into arguments and uh, people fall out. And uh, sometimes people even leave churches uh, because of disagreements. And Paul here is, is talking about the fact um, that in Christ uh, we are one. And obviously there's some sort of uh, uh, division in the church. He says some people are saying I follow Paul, other people are saying I follow Apollos, other people are saying I follow Peter. And there's obviously some sorts of arguments. And Paul is saying this is a sign of immaturity. That you can't get along with one another. And it's one of the tragedies really in, 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 the, in the history of the church. And one of the reasons why we have so many different denominations is because people haven't been able to get on with one another and somebody's always thought that they've got a better idea of how to do church and churches break up and form new churches and and before you know it they're doing exactly the same thing. Uh, This happens time and time again and it's, it's a sad reflection in our church history. And so... The church is a family and, and the goal for the family is maturity, that we grow together, that we learn together and uh, that we get on together. And then, I don't want to say that, uh, Paul says somewhere else, doesn't he, when he became a man, he, he put away childish things. Um, if you've been in my office, you might think that uh, I need to put away one or two childish things. There's one or two toys there that perhaps need to be uh, to be put away. But again, it's that idea um, that we are supposed to grow and develop and uh, become older and wiser in our faith. And so the church is a family and the goal is maturity. And then Paul uh, uses uh, another image and he, he talks about uh, the church as a field. And... The goal is quantity. Church is a field and the goal is quantity. Church growth is a a natural result of church health. A healthy church has to have the right balance. As we've said in the church of Corinth, there was obviously problems. 
And uh, there were people competing against each other. We're always told, aren't we, that competition is a good thing. Uh, that it's a healthy thing. But Paul points out here how the world operates. Um, and uh, a wise minister once told me, he said, never compare your church with another church. Don't do the comparison. Because he said, one of two things will happen. Either you'll become very proud because you'll think, well, my church is doing a little bit better than that church. You become a bit proud and maybe even arrogant. Or you become disillusioned because you'll look at another church and you'll think, gosh, that church is doing really well and, uh, and our church isn't doing quite as well. It's really interesting. I, I went to my first uh, minister's meeting uh, last week in the area. And it's always uh, interesting, you know, to meet other ministers from churches and uh, and I do it quite a bit. And very often one of the first, you know, questions that people say is, you know, uh, you know, how's your church doing? How many people have you got in your church? And uh, people want to know, don't they, uh, how your church is doing. And it, we've got to be careful that we, uh, that we don't try and compare ourselves with other churches. And uh, Paul points out that both Apollos and himself and, and Peter uh, all have the same goal. They want to win people for Christ. They want to uh, bring people into the kingdom of God. And uh, you'll notice that... Uh, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And uh, the important thing in, in church growth is to uh, recognise uh, that it's God that makes it grow. And as a minister, you know, that, that kind of relieves a bit of pressure on me. And it ought to do you as well as, as a congregation because, uh, you know, we want the church to grow, don't we? Hands up if you want to see this church grow. Okay, quite a few hands. Keep your hands up, don't put them down yet. Keep your hands up. If you want to see the church grow, uh, put your hand up. Now, um, if you're going to do something about that, uh, keep your hand up. If you're going to do something about that, uh, keep your hand up. If you're going to invite people next week to the uh, Back to Church Sunday, keep your hand up. You see, we, we can do our part. Paul talks about, you can put your hands down now, thanks. Uh, Paul talks about the fact that we're working in, in partnership with God, and we've got a part to play, but it's God that will convict people and bring people to Christ. Uh, we can't do that. We can, we can invite people, we can, uh, we can encourage people, um, but that's our part. We did back to church Sunday in our church a couple of years ago, and uh, I think we invited about, worked out, we invited about 100 people, and uh, 16 people turned up. And uh, some people were disappointed, I was quite encouraged. I didn't think that was, uh, wasn't too bad. Um, but our job is, is to do the inviting. Our job is to do the uh, inviting. The church is a field. And the goal is quantity. And numbers, you know, numbers matter. Numbers matter because we're talking about numbers of people. It's not just, you know, how many of you got in, in church. But they are people. And uh, we want to win people for Christ. That's why we're here. We want to uh, make disciples of people. And... Uh, Neil Cole, uh, in his book, uh, The Organic Church, uh, talking to uh, uh, a pastor, he says this, he says, A few years ago I was talking with a pastor and I wanted him to understand the organic nature of the church. I asked him if you had a plot of land and wanted to grow a crop in it, of corn in it, what would you do? He said, well I would till the land and remove the weeds and rocks 
And I said, good, and then what? He said, well, I'd add fertiliser if it was needed. I'd, I'd make sure it got lots of good sunshine and water. He said, yeah, good, but what else? He said, well, I guess I would take out any weeds that grow up and chase away any pests that try to eat the crop. Fine, I said, anything else? He said, well, I would reap a harvest. I looked at him with a puzzled look and remarked, all you would have is a pile of wet dirt. He had a quizzical expression on his face as his words were rewinding and replaying in his mind. Then he suddenly had a look of, ah, and it came over him. And he added, and oh yes, I would plant some seeds. Neil Cole says that um, though we long for fresh fruits, many of our efforts at growing it leave us with nothing but mud because we've failed to plant the seed that brings life. It does not matter how good you are at fertilizing, watering, cultivating and harvesting. If you don't plant the seed... You will never have a harvest. Never. Uh, part of our job is to be uh, uh, planting seeds. And uh, we do that when we talk about Jesus. We do that when we uh, invite people to church. I love the, the, uh, the idea that, um, um, that we have this opportunity next week. And... Um, I don't know about you, but uh, it's easy to get out of the habit of inviting people to church. Sometimes we're, the reason why we don't invite people is we're a little bit uncertain about what's going to happen. Uh, maybe you've had the experience of inviting someone to church and uh, it hasn't really gone well because the service hasn't been at all appropriate to somebody who's yet to come to faith. Maybe uh, you know someone's been talking about tithing or something like that and you kind of thought, oh no. And... Uh, let me guarantee you this, next week if you bring people to church, you know, the gospel will be preached and they'll hear the gospel. Um, and you won't have to worry about what's going to happen. They'll hear the gospel presented uh, in a way that hopefully will, uh, will challenge them and make them think about their own place and person and relationship with Jesus. But can I say you can invite people with confidence uh, to the service next week. We're even going to put on uh, extra special refreshments. Um, so they won't get biscuits that have been in the cupboard for a few weeks. They're going to get, you know, not that I'm sure you ever do, but uh, <laughs> but you, they're going to get nice donuts and things like that. And so you can you can have the confidence to invite people uh, to this church next Sunday. And uh, I love in in uh, in Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church. He reminds us of, of the fact that uh, increasing the size of your church does not require the intelligence of a rocket scientist. You'd be pleased to know. Uh, you simply, you must simply get more people to visit. And uh, I don't know about you, but I reckon most churches have got out of the habit of actually inviting people to church. We all know somebody. Um, you know, if, if I go and see a, a film that I like, um, I will tell people about it. I'm, I'm really into films. And uh, I will miver them to death. I'll say, you must go and see this film. I've seen this film and it's, it's wonderful. And next time I see them, I'll say, did you go and see that film? And they'll say, no. I'll say, well, you must go and see it. And I'll miver them until they've seen it. And then I'll go and watch it. I'll say, it's rubbish, Richard. But, uh, but you know what I mean? If, or if I read a book, and, I, and I'll say, you know, um, you know, you must read this book. The Shack, I've, I've recommended that book to hundreds of people uh, because it's affected me. You know, I've, I've got excited about it and I said, you must read it. Um, well, what about our relationship with Jesus? You know, if we were excited about our relationship with Jesus, if we believe that God was the God that transforms our life 
uh, we would talk about that and we would say to people, just as I say, you must read this book, or you must, you must uh, uh, watch this film, you must come and meet the God that I've met because he's totally transformed and changed my life. Uh, but I don't know about you, but uh, I guess we don't get into conversations like that very often, do we? Uh, and maybe, maybe it's because not just that we haven't got confidence in what's going to happen here on a Sunday, maybe we've lost a little bit of confidence in, in God's ability to change and transform people's lives. Well, I believe in the God that can change and transforms people's lives. He's transformed my life, and I've seen lots of people's lives who have been transformed totally. And so I've got confidence, not in my own ability to, uh, to do something good next week, but in God's ability to actually work and transform people's lives. Do you notice that uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts, in the early church, um, there's this passage in, in Acts chapter 2, and, uh, and Luke's telling, telling them about the, uh, the, the church, and about what they did, and about the apostles uh, preaching the word and at the end of it it says and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved and I like the fact that it says daily every day people were being added to their number last Sunday night in the, in the service Peter was sharing about uh, uh, the, the pastor that uh, the, the Hope uh, India's sponsoring and he was reading some information and it read a little bit like that you know, they're having meetings one after the other where people uh, were coming to faith. The reality is that's not our, ex- our experience, is it, in the church today? Uh, imagine if that happened, we'd have at least 365 new people every year. Um, we probably couldn't cope with that. We'd have to build a bigger church. Um, but you, you get that idea that, um, that the church is meant to grow. That it's not meant to be static. It's certainly not meant to be in decline. Um, but this, there's this idea that new people should be added, uh, if not on a daily basis, then, uh, then maybe we ought to go for a, uh, should we be brave and say a, a, a weekly, or, or do we need to be saying a monthly basis that new people ought to be added to the church? I don't know. But I love that idea, uh, that a healthy church is a church that new people are being added. Um, if not on a daily basis, then on a weekly or monthly basis. Certainly on a yearly basis, when we do the, this uh, lovely thing about counting people next year, uh, we ought to compare. No, we're not going to compare with other churches, let's compare with our own statistics and say, you know, have we grown as a church? Uh, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I expect the church to grow. I don't say that because I think I'm a wonderful, brilliant minister that's going to uh, attract lots of new people. I say it because I think God is a wonderful, brilliant God. And uh, if we bring people, that he will do something. So, let's pray that God adds daily those who have been saved. So the church is a field, and and the goal is quantity. Uh, It's not just about numbers, it's about people. Because people matter. They matter to God, and so they should matter to us. And uh, we have to love people. We have to love people outside of the church, and love them into the church. And uh, one of my hopes and dreams is that Lum Baptist Church, if it isn't already, will be known in this community as a church that really cares, that really loves people, that really goes that extra mile to reach people and help people. So the church is a field and the goal is, uh, is quantity. And then finally, Paul talks about um, the fact that a church is a temple and the goal is quality. 
And Paul talks about himself as, a, as an expert builder. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And by that Paul's saying, you know, when it comes to church building and church planting, I actually know what I'm doing. Um, I'm an expert in this particular field. And that's what we have to become. We have to become experts about knowing how to build God's church. And uh, just a few things that Paul says about the way in which uh, the church is to be built. Paul says we have to build on the right foundation. Now, I don't know anything about building. Um, when it comes to DIY, I tend to leave it to Sue. Um, <laughs> because she's better at it than me, you know what I mean? Uh, let's, uh, let's be aware of what we're good at and what we're not good at. Uh, but Paul says when it comes to the church, now I do know something about church, you'll be believed, you'll be relieved to know. Um, we have to build on the right foundation, and he says that foundation is Jesus Christ. I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now I don't know anything about building, but I, I do understand that the foundation is quite important. And the foundation, actually, um, the way you lay the foundation will, uh, will, will show how big the building and how strong the building is going to be. And Paul says the foundation that we've got to build on is Jesus Christ. And we don't build on anything else. Uh, we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He's Lord. He's Lord of our lives and he's Lord of the church. And that's the foundation that we need to build on. And then he says we have to build with the right materials. We have to build with the right materials. If any man builds on the, this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood or hay, straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Um, we build with quality. And you know what? You are quality. Did you know that? You are quality people. And uh, God wants to use you and the gifts that you have in building up the church. He doesn't want us to use rubbish material. And you're not rubbish. Now some of you might have been told that you were rubbish. As I was uh, sorting out some boxes in, in the move, uh, I came across some reports from my school days. And uh, uh, I'd forgotten all about them. And uh, this was primary school. And uh, I remember one of them, it, it said, and I guess a lot of, if you're teachers you'll know this, it says, uh, you know, uh, Richard's worked fairly well, but he could have done better. He could have done better. And uh, Richard's worked okay, but he tends to lose concentration. And <laughs> they weren't great reports. Um, and maybe you've had uh, similar reports or worse reports, and people have told you, you know, you're no good. Uh, God doesn't say that. God thinks... He's called you, he's given you a purpose in the church and he wants to use you because he believes that you are quality. And Paul actually talks about us being a temple uh, where the Holy Spirit resides, that we are the temple. And there's this idea that the church, it's not, it's not the bricks and the mortar, but it's the people that matter. And that uh, we are the people of God and we are the people that building on the right foundation are going to build this church. And so... Uh, we build with the right materials and they are quality materials. And then we have to build according to the right plan. 
We have to build according to the right plan. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building. But each one should be careful how he builds. Uh, it isn't about, you know, what ideas have we got. But it's about discovering what God wants us to do as a church. It's God's plans that matters. We might have some good ideas and, and, and they might be of God and that's great. But we have to listen to what God wants us to do as a church and as a people. And then we have to build with the right motives. We have to build with the right motives. No more boasting about men. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or the life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. And uh, building the church, we're not trying to build a church so we can say, hey, haven't we got a wonderful church? We're building up the church so we can say, hey, haven't we got a wonderful God? Look what God is doing. And that's why it's important. Uh, You know, next week we are going to have some testimony. And I think it's important to hear what God is doing in people's lives. You know, sometimes when we hear testimony, again, it's, it's a real... Uh, indicator where people are. Sometimes people's testimony is just about when they've been saved. Now, I became a Christian when I was 20. I could tell you the story uh, about how I became a Christian. And uh, it might be of interest. But if that's the only testimony that I've got, having been a Christian for uh, 27 years now, um, it's not very good. And so it's great to hear about people coming to faith. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, there's some great stories and they can really challenge people. But we also want to hear what God is doing today in people's lives. And, uh, you know, we can glorify God by saying, look, this is what God's done in my life this week. Uh, it would be, you know, it would be a real challenge. I'm not going to do this, don't worry. Don't worry. But if, if I said now, you know, put your hands up and tell and, and give me some stories about what God's done this week in your life. Um, we might be short of hands. We might be short of hands because, uh, you know, we don't tend to uh, to recognise or even see what God is doing in our lives. And we've not all got stories about what God is doing. If you've got some, do let me know because we'll use them. Because they're a great witness to say, look, God is at work in this person's life. And then it challenges us to think, well, is God at work in my life? Do I see God in, in, in what I'm doing? We want God to get the glory. Because uh, God is at work. And so, the church is a temple and uh, the goal is quality. Um, We want to build up the church. It's a family and uh, we want people to mature and develop and we'll make sure that there are loads of opportunities for people to do that. Uh, Quantity, the church is a field and the goal is quantity. We want to see people come to faith. We want to see new people in this church who've come to faith. And maybe some of those new people will come to faith because you were brave enough or bold enough to say, you know, why don't you come to church with me next Sunday? A great a great, a little thing is, you know, actually, don't just invite someone to church and give them a, an invitation. Say, would you like to come with me? I'll bring you, I'll pick you up. Because one of the hardest things for uh, somebody who doesn't go to church is to actually walk through those doors. For them, for, for us, it's great because we do it all the time. We don't think anything of it. But for people that don't come to church, the hardest thing can be to be walk in to a place that you're not really sure about. You don't know where to sit or, or what to do. Uh, but if you say, you know, why don't you come with me to church? 
uh, they're much more likely to respond because, you know, you can hold a hand. I don't mean literally hold a hand, but, you know, you can actually sit with them. You can, you can show them what they have to do. They'll, they'll know when to stand and when to sit and everything else. And you can take some of that fear away. So quantity matters. And so does quality because we want to do the best. Because our God is a great God.